Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Ad One Zero. Hey there, leaders, and welcome back to another episode of Leaders of B2B. Really excited to have Dave from Alusio here on the show. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining me here today. Oh, thanks so much, Jake. Happy to be here. Great. So uh, I'm, I'm very interested in this uh, interview because uh, this was, um, as I spoke to one of your team members about this prior, you guys are in a very, very narrow niche in uh, what you guys do at Elise, Lucio. And so for anyone in the audience who uh, doesn't know who you are, or what Lucio does, can you give us kind of, uh, what is that maybe like you know, 60 to 90 second overview of what the company does? Sure. Absolutely. So with Lucio, we're completely focused on developing world-class software for the life science industry. So pharmaceutical, biotech, and medical device companies are our customers. And uh, what we developed, basically our flagship product is called Beacon. And Beacon is a, a scientific exchange platform for these life science companies, basically to help their uh, field medical staff interact um, and engage with uh, healthcare professionals, and more specifically, uh, an area of healthcare professionals called key opinion leaders, where people who are really kind of driving and influencing um, these different areas, different therapeutic areas, say in oncology or cardiology, et cetera. So overall, it's, it's really a content management and engagement platform, but very specifically designed to help uh, support these field medical people in life sciences. And so um, I believe from kind of going through your site and everything is like you're particularly it's this kind of particular title called a medical science liaison. Is that like your guys ideal customer really in specific? Exactly. So that's our uh, that's our target user. There are other users as well, but that's what the system is uh, primarily designed to support. And uh, these folks are uh, basically uh, people who are out in the field um, engaging with doctors and uh, basically. Um, educating them on particular products, on um, new uh, pipeline agents that might be coming down the, the path that aren't necessarily approved products yet, but are still in clinical trials. They can have deeper conversations around um, different studies and the design of those studies, the, the data that's being, you know, that's coming out of those studies. They can talk about appropriate patient populations for a particular product. So they can have a much more in-depth scientific and medical conversation with the doctor, different than a sales rep. So these folks would probably take offense to being called or considered sales reps because they have advanced degrees. Typically, they have uh, PharmDs or PhDs. Some of them are even doctors. 
So they have, uh, you know, deep medical and scientific training. So it's really much more of a peer-to-peer conversation with the doctors than it is more of what you might think of as a, a sales conversation. So it's really much more about education and much more about um, idea exchange and things like that. And and this is a group that we're really supporting that really hasn't had great tools um, and products uh, to help really, uh, that are really kind of designed to help optimize their efforts. So that's where we're focused. And so if I understand correctly, like this is a tool for that particular population to basically kind of run their business, communicate to store content. Like maybe what are some of like the features of what this you're actually doing for this particular population? Yeah. So, so one aspect is definitely content management. So, you know, a big challenge in, in this industry is just how to basically manage all different types of content. So uh, presentations, different types of PDF documents, some rich media files, again, all relating to you know, products and, and clinical studies or papers that have been published or things like that. And obviously in, in pharmaceuticals and in biotech, you're dealing with a heavily regulated industry. So all these kind of conversations have to be done in a compliant way. You can't just kind of show whatever you want. It has to be things that are kind of approved, have been vetted, that are okay for dissemination. So that whole aspect of kind of content management, of making sure that the folks who are, are having these conversations have the right material. It's the correct version of that material. There's nothing that's out of date. Um, everything has been, you know, approved. That's that's kind of one big challenge and hurdle that, that we can help solve. And then the other part about that is, you know, how do you make sure you're disseminating that um, in a timely way to people who might be, you know, all over the United States and, and you know, all over the world? And so you need a, a mechanism for doing that, you know, kind of email and spreadsheets and things like that don't work too well. And so, um, you know, this platform really helps with that in terms of making sure everybody has the right material, it's at their fingertips, and that those users, those MSL users that you mentioned, um, can organize that material, you know, uh, for easy access. Um, maybe they want to organize the material by conference or a particular meeting. So this whole kind of content management aspect is a big element. And then the second element is really around engagement. So, you know, right now, obviously, everything is happening in a, in a virtual framework still. And so we have in our platform, in our Beacon platform, a built-in virtual meeting, we call it a virtual scientific exchange tool. So it's, it's integrated into Beacon. It's not a separate application like a Zoom or a WebEx. Um, it's our own uh, virtual meeting engine. And so these um, virtual meetings can take place right within the platform in a very cohesive and integrated way. The users have access to their content very uh, simply and easily. And so, you know, that's a big part of, of what we're doing on that front. But the platform also supports in-person engagement when that starts coming back, um, hopefully soon, so that there's a tablet instance, a mobile instance where um, these MSLs can basically walk um, uh, a healthcare professional through a presentation on a tablet device like an iPad or Surface Pro or something like that. And that can be done offline, doesn't have to be, the device doesn't need to be connected online, but all that content is gonna be synced when the device is, is back online. So it's basically a multi-channel engagement platform uh, on, on that piece. So it really becomes almost like the G suite, if you will, for the MSL, all the tools that they need right at their fingertips, 
to be able to uh, manage their content and engage um, through these different channels. It's amazing. And, and so I'm curious, how did you stumble upon this opportunity? Because it seems so narrow, such a niche subset. Uh, how, did, how did you land into this or, or what's like the origin story of how this company came to be? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Because it's, it's sort of a niche, but like these niches are pretty big. When you talk about like life sciences and pharma and biotech, um, these, these are still pretty big markets. But yeah, it is, it is sort of very, uh, very specific to this area. Fortunately, you know, I've been um, personally in uh, the life science technology space for almost the last 20 years. So, you know, through that time, I've had a lot of experience engaging with these different companies, understanding some of the different needs, the workflows, and uh, our founding team as well have all been in kind of life science technology. So this was an area that we sort of saw as an opportunity. My previous company, we kind of dabbled in it a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, now with the Lucio really kind of, uh, you know, going forward and, and really addressing it more holistically, it's like the need hasn't, hadn't changed. There was still these kind of gaps. There was still, uh, kind of this area that hadn't been fully addressed by other technology solutions. So we felt like there was still a, a great opportunity, but it is a good point that it's, it's, it's hard to identify some of these opportunities unless you've kind of been in the space for some time and understand the ins and outs and, and the challenges and at least the right questions to ask, you know, to kind of come upon a, an opportunity. And, and even with, with Beacon, we spent a lot of time talking to MSLs and users, um, also engaging. We have a very active product advisory board, which are folks from the industry that are either in uh, field medical roles in, in actual MSL roles, interacting with doctors or in uh, medical affairs management roles. So all that, um, you know, experience has really come together in terms of how we built the product, but it would be hard to, to get that without, um, you know, kind of being in the space for some time. Yeah. So what did that look like? How did you guys actually start this? Was this something where you bootstrapped? Did you raise capital whenever you decided to go out and start this? What was the yeah, that path, I guess, to actually getting this out there and getting that those first couple customers. Yeah, no, great question. So we did start. Um, basically, we did a, a seed round. We did angel. In, we did angel investment. Um, and you know, fortunately, we had people kind of close to our founding team that had experience with our prior companies. Um, so there's sort of a track record there. So that kind of helped us get going uh, at the beginning. I guess that was like right at the beginning, end of last year, right at the beginning of end of 2019, sorry, right at the beginning of 2020. And so that allowed us to really kind of, uh, you know, put our management team in place, really focus on our product development efforts, defining exactly what we wanted to build for this kind of initial release. And, you know, we were in stealth mode for a while, just really kind of heads down on the product development efforts. And then in, September, we were able to you know, pretty much on time and on budget release the first version of the product. And, you know, we use an agile methodology. So we're doing kind of product with feature releases and updates every couple of weeks. And so we've been continuing to iterate and enhance and bring new features on board. And so, yeah, so that really enabled us to kind of get started and, and get the product built and get the initial customers. And, you know, we've been getting some pretty good traction and kind of going forward ever since. That's great. And I guess what has been the um, maybe the hardest part of this first couple of years? Like what has been the biggest challenge, I think, for you guys? Um, I would say the big the biggest challenge, uh, you know, it's 
I think on the, you know, obviously on the, the product side, there's more things that you want to do than you than you can, um, you know, sort of have to focus on the things that are most impactful and that you can execute. So we've got a pretty big like sort of roadmap of things that we still want to do and you can't get to everything. I think that's a challenge with new companies always is around prioritization and focus, right? You probably hear that a lot in some of your discussions. So I think that's a big part for us. And then you know, a big thing right now is just evangelizing the company, kind of getting out there, uh, meeting with prospective customers, showing our demo. And, you know, we're still relatively small. So it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're sort of shouting as much as you can to kind of get attention and, and to get in front of people. The, the nice thing is that we know when we do have these meetings, the feedback is very positive on the product. So it's just a matter of kind of cutting through the the clutter and and being able to get in front of the right uh, stakeholders, the right decision makers. So that's always kind of a challenge. Um, I would say the third thing we've been pretty fortunate, but always a challenge to find the right people. Right? It's a one part is like the idea and you know the the market, but you know finding the right people who can align with the vision who support and can enhance the culture that you're trying to build within the organization. That always kind of takes time, but I, I, you know, we've been fortunate in that regard. We've got a great team of people and, you know, we continue to add to that kind of core group. Yeah, that makes sense. And I guess, you know, with being in this stage where you guys are still relatively new, you're building out new features. How do you maybe wrestle with that in terms of, you know, you've, Got to sell customers, but at this point, the company is still only a couple years old. So there's probably not all the features that the customers want today, but they may need that. Um, you know, how, how do you kind of wrestle with that? Because I know that's always a big challenge for software companies is how uh, well, customers want all these features, but we don't have time. We can't prioritize them all, but then they won't sign until like, have you guys hit much of that battle or what, what have you guys kind of wrestled with that? Yeah, no, it's a good point. It, it's a little bit of, you know, there is a little bit of a chicken and egg with that. I mean, I think for us, you know, it's always this dilemma of like, what's really a minimum viable product? And, um, you know, how, um, how solid does the initial product need to be to be successful? I think for us, you know, with our initial uh, version of Beacon, we erred much more on the side of like, it needs to be a pretty polished product. When we go out, it can't just be something that's sort of bare bones and expect some of these um, larger companies to, to, to want to, to purchase it. So, you know, so that was part of our focus. You know, we wanted the kind of the first iteration of the product to be solid enough that, you know, we could get, um, you know, paying customers to be excited about it. So I think that's kind of like the key dilemma. We didn't want to do like kind of long, we, we never did any kind of like beta test periods or anything like that. It was once we were out, we were out with it. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think the the part now is, you know, we've got, customers who like the core feature set, but they do have a lot of, you know, feedback on things that they want to see, new features and things, which is understandable. I think, you know, um, giving them kind of visibility into what that roadmap looks like, being, you know, responsive in terms of uh, their feedback, I think is really important. Um, We've also kind of established sort of a customer steering committee for the product as well. So they feel like they have a big stake in, in, what uh, Beacon becomes moving forward. So I think those are some of the things as an earlier company you can do, right? You can give these early customers much more insight and input into your direction. And so they can feel like they really have a stake in your in your success. 
and you can be more nimble, right? Like you can be responsive to things that you think are, they're really important to a certain customer that are also aligned with your roadmap. Maybe you prioritize those things much more quickly than you normally would. As you get bigger for larger companies, it's harder to do that, right? Like one customer, it's like, yeah, we'll think about that. And, you know, here's our roadmap. And, you know, we're not going to deviate from that too much. But when you're smaller, you have a little bit more flexibility. So we're, we're um, I think, leveraging all of those, all of those pieces. But I, I think it is a dilemma because if, if the product feels too much, and I, I guess people could have different viewpoints on that, if it feels too much like it's a, a, a beta product or a test product, I think you'll get a lot of this like, yeah, we're interested, but we'll wait till it's like a little bit more complete or it's really kind of done. And so um, we opted kind of not to go that that route as as much, knowing that we will keep improving it, but that our first iteration needs to be solid enough that people want to want to actually implement it and pay money for it. Yeah, you mentioned something interesting. You mentioned a customer steering committee. Uh, so is that like a formal thing you put together? Or is that like, do you offer customers on that like a discount or something like for them like being involved with that? Do you have like calls? I'm curious. So maybe if you can share more about that. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, it's it's just more of giving them sort of a more of a formal voice in our product roadmap. So uh, in terms of just talking about specific features that they would like to see or where they would like to see the how they would like to see the product evolve or particular areas that are important to them in terms of how they're engaging and how they're how they're working so you know a good example of that is you know a, a trend in in our space and in terms of even feedback that we've gotten is around this whole data and analytics area is like you know, you can imagine if we're managing all this content and we're also supporting these engagements, there's a lot of important data that we're capturing and have access to. And so, you know, this is information that would be very valuable, even in kind of an aggregate way around, you know, what are um, doctors responding to, you know, what content is, is being viewed the most, what is being shared the most, and even things like being able to use some different types of tools to measure engagement level in terms of how people are actually interacting and, and, and viewing content. So there are a lot of different ways that we can go in there, um, but that's kind of an area that has communicated as important to some of our key customers. And it's one that we're continuing to kind of look at and, and sort of sort through in terms of how we proceed in that area. That's super interesting. And another thing you hit on, um, you mentioned going from stealth mode to now kind of shouting from the mountaintops. And uh, I'm curious, I guess, maybe the decision to be in stealth mode, I guess, why you chose to do this. And then maybe now that you're out of stealth mode, like what is your kind of marketing or just initiatives looked like there? Because I know there's some where it's like, hey, we're going to just start marketing even before we've got anything built and just try to get the word out there for what we're building and attract interest. And there's other people that are like, hey, no, let's build for six to 12 months so that there's no competitors coming after or like seeing the opportunity. What was your thoughts on kind of stealth mode and everything there? Yeah, no, I think all, all, you know, all situations can be a little bit different. And I guess it depends a little bit on the dynamics of the market. Um, but, but for us, um, because we had a pretty good sense of the market opportunity, it was more of like, you know, when we kind of say we have the product we want, we want to be ready and we want to be really close to ready. So there was a little bit of a window where uh, before the product was released, maybe like, you know, a month or so that we were out like showing demos and things like that. But it was very close. And so, 
you know, just with our past experience and relationships in the industry, we didn't, you know, we didn't want to go out and be kind of selling vapor and saying we have something that we really don't, you know, and credibility means a lot. And especially, you know, kind of talked about earlier, this being, uh, you know, a more narrow vertical, like, you know, people all know each other, you know, it's, it's, it's a big industry, but, you know, there are a lot of cross relationships. And so credibility is important. So, you know, I don't think you want to be out there, you know, proposing or reporting that you have something that you really don't. So, so that was what we, we kind of opted, opted to do, you know, and, and I think, you know, people knew we were working on something, you know, that, you know, that kind of like general direction, but, you know, we, we kind of held uh, our cards pretty close to our chest until we were really ready. So that was just uh, kind of the direction that we took, but, you know, different environment, you know, different markets could be, could be different. Maybe you need to kind of announce, pre-announce things a little bit to be more preemptive because there are other things kind of happening in the space and stuff like that. So, you know, it's probably not a one size fits all on that kind of thing. And I'm curious now that you've come out of stealth mode, like what does your marketing or sales initiatives look like? You mentioned this is kind of a, a tight knit industry where everyone knows each other. Is this kind of just like a direct sales thing? Is there lots of marketing? Like I'm, I'm like, how big is even the universe of accounts for you guys? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty big. I mean, you know, theoretically like every, every, most every pharma and, and biotech and, and medical device company could be a customer, anybody who has MSLs. I mean, if they're a little bit too early where they're they're far from commercialization, they wouldn't have a field medical team yet. But as soon as they probably have a product that's in phase three um, clinical trials, they probably are starting some field medical activities. And so they're a potential beacon, beacon customer. But yeah, our primary our primary model is a direct sale, selling model. We have a, a business development, small now, but a business development team that um, is, is calling on these uh, customers and, as I mentioned, trying to get uh, meetings and, and do demonstrations for them. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the, the key goal. The nice thing about, again, being in a more focused market is we know who the folks are that we need to meet with. Uh, we know who the decision makers are. There, there are others stakeholders that we'll need to manage too, but it's very directive in terms of who we need to get in front of. So we can find those those folks pretty directly. Um, that being said, um, there's a lot more marketing. We've, we've done a little bit of marketing. There's more that we're going to do uh, this year, definitely just in terms of you know conference presence and um, different types of partnerships with other entities and just trying to provide more kind of air cover for our direct selling efforts to kind of support what we're doing. So That'll, that's a big part of what we'll be doing this year for sure. And we're just at the beginning stages of that. Nice. That's fascinating. And I guess what is the the vision or the, the future for Lucio look like? What is your kind of thoughts there? Is this is Beacon like the core thing or is there going to be a series of products under this or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Beacon is the core thing right now um, in terms of just where we're focused. I mean, we have to be successful there. We have you know goals that are uh, a- ambitious, but not, uh, but I think realizable in terms of what we want to do. Um, you know, and, and our go to market right now is we're focusing a little bit more on the, on maybe the smaller to medium size, you know, pharma and biotech companies, although we've already gotten some, um, some traction with some larger ones sooner than we thought we would, which is great. But yeah, right now it's really focused on the, the MSL users, more broadly medical affairs, making sure we're meeting their needs, continuing to improve the product. But going forward, uh, you know, we see other opportunities in medical affairs with other 
gaps that we think could be addressed by technology that aren't necessarily scientific exchange related, but are in other areas, um, unmet needs. And then, you you know, down the line, it's not something we're um, thinking about too much today, but, you know, you have the whole kind of commercial selling and marketing engine in life sciences, and that's even a much, much bigger market. So that might be something down the line that we're, we're able to kind of expand into. But right now, kind of our line of sight is very focused on, you know, field medical, medical affairs, let's do this really well. Um, let's establish ourselves in this space, be successful, and then there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us um, down the line. Nice. That's fascinating. I love it. And uh, so as we wrap up here, one of the last questions I would like to ask is if you could go back five to 10 years earlier in your career, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, good question. I, I think the biggest thing just in, you know, I've been kind of in this area of entrepreneurship for some time. And I think the biggest thing that I tell people that, um, is different than the, you know, the business school part of things in terms of learning about like strategy and finance and marketing is just the people aspect. It's such a huge aspect of just how to effectively manage people, find people, retain people, you know, deal with different types of people, uh, personnel and cultural issues that, that take place. And that's the one that's harder, I think, for, you know, probably even some of the, the younger people that have built successful organizations. It's like it, it, a lot of that really only comes with time and experience and lessons learned. And so that's the part, like I would say uh, for my younger self, it's, it's um, you know, learning more about that, learning how to deal with different kind of personality types and put people in the best position to be successful um, and, you know, manage in a, in a way that's going to be most effective. And I think, you know, now looking back, you know, with, with more years of experience, that's the part that is harder kind of get to get, even though, you know, you might have a great idea and, and you know, all the other things lined up. It's harder to do that. And I think that's why you've even seen some, you know, very successful entrepreneurs sort of struggle even with some, you know, pretty high profile companies with that aspect because um, it comes with kind of time and, and sort of earning your stripes a little bit. So that would probably be the one the one piece I'd point to. Nice. That's super. It's always great advice that people, people is what it all comes down to in the end. So. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember even, and I would agree with this. I remember one of my mentors early on mentioned, you know, a, a, a lot of times, at least at the time when I was going to, uh, you know, graduate school, you know, people would kind of lean towards, you know, positions and kind of, you know, finance or investment banking or consulting. These were areas that you could, could be pretty lucrative and then want to pivot more to entrepreneurship. But the hard thing is in a lot of those sort of more staff type positions, you don't get the management experience. And so that would be the one area of counsel is like looking for opportunities where you can actually manage people. If you, you know, if you ultimately, if this is a path you want to go down, you know, and getting those earlier um, in your career, wherever you can find them, um, I think is invaluable um, if this is ultimately a path that you want to pursue. That's phenomenal. Great advice. Well, Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Uh, if anyone wants to find out more about you or Lucio online, what's the best place they can go to find you online? Yeah, so our website is alucio.io, and you'll get a nice overview of the company and uh, you know, and learn more about our team, learn more about uh, opportunities that we have, and that would probably be the best place to check out. Great. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on here, Dave. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. Nice meeting you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.